everyone. What? <laughs> <laughs> Keep that in. We're off to a great start. Uh, fuck. <laughs> I, I I even cleared my throat before we started, uh, hello, and everyone. I was like, "Yeah, we're good to go." Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's try that again. Okay. Just fucking don't even edit it, Alex. Just fucking keep this yeah, entire just, just little keep part, that in. Whole part in. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna do it again. Welcome to the pioneer perspective. This is how we do things around here. It's just motherfuck. <laughs> See, that's what happens when you take nearly a month off. Yeah, just so. you immediately go out of it. <clears throat> All right. Hello everyone. I'm not even going to do it with any type of fucking enthusiasm because I'm a little pissed that I had to do it again. <laughs> Hi, we're back. Uh, we're here. It's, uh, you know, for those of you that, uh, well, the last one was what, the 16th of December? So happy holidays, Merry Christmas, uh, happy Kwanzaa, happy Hanukkah, uh, happy winter solstice, happy new year. And if you don't so, uh, happy wonderful Ukrainian new year, I think was a couple happy, days ago. Happy Chinese new year. Look at that. It's going on. It's going on a little bit. And any we didn't cover? Happy that too. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, hello. God, I, my throat's still going like fucking... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hold on one sec. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should cut that out because that would just scare people. <laughs> okay, look. The one thing I've learned since doing metal vocals is like... That's the most effective way to clear your throat. <laughs> it's not doing the <laughs> like literally doing it's a nice, good roaring solid it out. Scream. <laughs> no, seriously, because it the vibration allows it to break it up. Um, and I feel great now. Look at that. Everything's nice and clear. It's clean. No one's sick anymore. Give it three minutes. Uh, and I'll, yeah, you're you know what? Let me have my, your three minutes of uh, fame. My optimism, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> But we're back. Uh, I guess we have a lot of things to kind of go over. We have random challenges. We can recap very briefly, like, hey, who won? What did that blah, blah, blah. Current meta. I mean, we could just look at it this way. Let's actually just say, hey, the meta's at this point. Let's take a look at it, and we'll talk about that. We're not going to dive too deep into the challenges because we missed, what, five of them? So, yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah. Uh, there, there are a couple of five lists that I'd like to just talk about in general. I know we don't usually put a whole lot of um, weight on uh, those uh, type of things just because they don't, they aren't really representation of like the meta because look, I, I can sleeve up the most garbage, you know, glass cannon deck there is. Just run it 17 times. And <laughs> yeah. You know, if I, if I dodge my matchups, you know, like I can, I can do just fine. If, if I just, if I end up seeing like someone run Pummeler against me in the queue, you know, not not to talk shit about Pummeler, but you know, yeah, energy is a parasitic mechanic Pummeler. that relies on a single set. So I have an opportunity to get energy again, though. That's exciting. We do. Well, wait, what? Where? I mean, the Brothers War. That is a very good place. For, that is literally two brothers going head to head with machines. If there is That's a fair. time to bring energy back, it would be that. I don't think they'll ever do it, but if they want to. This would be a, a good opportunity. That would be cool. Yeah, so let's do that. Let's talk about... Uh, we have a, a couple of things we want to go over when it comes to the mailbag questions that we kind of missed. We can do that real quick. We can open with that. Then we can talk about how we feel about Pioneer. We can do like a year in review even for 2022 and... 2021. And we can look forward to 2022 and see what we're excited about and what our expectations are. Yada, yada, yada. 
All right. So, Alex, you have some mailbag questions that we can go over. Um, what do we have? I think it's fitting to uh, sadly start off with some uh, less good news just to get the admin out of the way ah. so I don't have to do yes. it anymore. Um, next week, Brad's going to try and get something together. And I am. Uh, it's also the reason why we're recording very late now. Um, I won't be there next week. I hopefully will be there next week. But I was already going into a very stressful, shitty week. And then um, I'll say my grandfather passed away a couple days ago. And we have to deal with all of that, too. I have a cremation next week on top of the busy week I was already going to have. So I have no time or energy or mental bandwidth <laughs> to do anything but the things I have to do. So I'll yeah. I'll be back. But I won't be there next week and maybe not the week after. But anyway. Fun fact, I have a friend who actually works in a crematory. Pretty interesting. Like she puts, a, she has a private snap story that she's like, "Hey, if you don't want to be a part of it, just message me." Um, because like she like shows like the process of like everything. Is that even allowed? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds extremely <laughs> illegal. Well, oh well. <laughs> I've seen some cool stuff, whether it's legal or not. But just wanted but, to get um, the unfun admin yeah. out of the way, so now we could talk magic and uh, have a good time. Yeah, of course. So I suppose right. we'll start with the mailbag stuff. Um, and thank you very much to... I will very quickly look up actually ask these questions. Um, we have a, a lot idea. of channels in our Discord. Uh, Lemon Lyman asks, do you all have magic New Year's resolutions? If so, what are they? Um, I tried to put some thought into this. I'll just uh, start off. This is one that eventually, I have three, and this one ended up third, but then I ended up bumping it to one, because this is always the most important thing you can be doing as a Magic player, and that is uh, better mental. So I've seen it a lot, actually, on Twitter recently, that some people seem to be really burning out, they're really beating themselves up. I am very good at that, beating myself up over plays, etc. And I think that's just the, the thing at the top of my list for every year, basically. So just... um. I, I do it basically for everything in my life even now where I just prioritize yeah. like mental health. It's like if something makes me sad, I'll just stop doing it if I can. So if I need a break from something, I need a break. Uh, I wrote it here as uh, feel like dropping during an event, drop and go do something better with your time. Think your deck sucks, ask advice. Don't want to ask advice, just don't ask it. Put the deck on your shelf. If something makes me feel bad when I'm supposed to do it for fun, don't do it. Um, or at least reflect on it honestly, and if you should stop or take a break, take a break. Like, I had a bit of a talk with you about, a bit of a burnout. Uh, I was running very cold leading up to the holidays, so these holidays, I just didn't play Magic, and I just did other things. And yeah. now I have a stupid brew coming in the mail, and I'm excited to play it. Yeah, uh, um, taking a break is really valuable, and this goes with any hobby or something that you enjoy or work, or even, like, your personal life with family, friends, relationships, that kind of thing. I don't mean taking a break from a relationship. I mean taking a break physically from other people, in that sense, to, like, just allow yourself to clear out the cobwebs. Because it's really easy to get burnt out with anything. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about that with you, because, I mean, look, I don't envy you, because your favorite <laughs> deck within the magic context is It's like is masochism. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really yeah it is and also a little bit of sadism if you think about it because you're, you're inflicting a lot of pain on other people too <laughs> true um but yeah like you were talking about like hey like it feels like you're running like you said running cold you're having a lot of like you know shitty games you feel like you're doing things right um but then you make like a weird misplay or you kind of like beat yourself up over it 
And I was like, well, either take a break from Magic as a whole for a little bit, or like just change to play a different deck, something that's a little bit less, um, you know, intensive on your uh, old noggin when you're playing. Because control is very intensive with because especially when you run a bunch of random ass one ofs and you're like, well, what's the better one to look for? Like, do I do go digging for that certain one of them trying to find that silver bullet? Um, am I trying to just establish a, a board? Am I trying to sweep right now and then allow them to kind of rebuild? It's a nightmare. And I would never main deck or I guess main as my choice of deck and pioneer as a control deck. I have one. I generally don't I, even, I, I, I generally don't <laughs> even recommend it to people. Like, for some reason, I do it myself, but it's someone like, should I play Control? And it's like, if you prefer playing, if you like playing other decks, don't. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's a painful process. Especially yeah, because I, people I, will always call your deck bad. Like, Azorius Control <laughs> could be the number four deck, and everyone's like, yeah, but it does suck, really. And mm -hmm. you're like, come on. <laughs> I'm doing okay. <laughs> I actually had to do a uh, New Year's resolution type thing for um for work we had a <clears throat> teacher planning day with no kids on monday we had this long ass meeting with like the ceo and a bunch of other people and they put us in breakout rooms and they're like hey what are you proud of or whatever that you were able to accomplish in 2021 what are you looking forward to like to accomplishing this year and i was like well because you had to give an answer and i was like well I, I it's the same for me every single year and one thing that I always took pride in, at least of the last three years or so, is I used to not be a very patient person. I used to not be a very, you know, um, I don't want to say not a happy person, but I, I would get angry very easily. Um, I would get tilted at games. I get, you know, angry within like personal life, uh, like with like people I was dating or like family, that kind of thing. And taking like a step back and away from all that and just kind of like working on being a patient person and allowing myself to just absorb what's going on and try to find a solution rather than just feed the venom aspect of it that's always what i work on every single year and i'm happy with what i came with and what i what I was able to do last year i want to continue doing that this year and that's within the same context of magic as well like <clears throat> i've talked about before how i have way too many decks but the reason i have way too many decks is a because i love this format and b because it allows me to be a better player and i'll play the decks constantly and look, it sounds fucking depressing, but like there are times where like I don't have anyone to play with. So what I'll do is I'll actually take two decks, sleeve them up or like have them ready. And I will literally play a mock game alone with myself against with these two decks playing both of them. But I take my time with doing so and I go through every possible line of play both deck could do in any circumstance and I kind of look at every option and I see what the pros are, what the cons are. And as weird as that sounds and as sad as it sounds to like, hey, play a game of magic with just yourself. It's actually made me a better magic player because I'm forcing myself to look at it. And if you've ever played chess competitively, it's the same shit. You do that, too. What you do is you look up very like prominent, like, you know, important games that have happened between championships and grandmasters. And you'll set up your board and you'll try to find every line of play that both players could have done and it betters yourself as a chess player. So from my background doing that, I've been doing the same thing with magic. So I do encourage someone to try that. It's, it's actually eye opening. I, I'm generally, I goldfish a lot in order to figure out my mana base, which sounds really bad because some people do a lot of math and I'm like, mm -hmm. at one point I, I've had enough. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I don't know if I have 
a percentage of xyz and it's like i'm just like bored I, i'm during class or whatever like online class and i'm bored i have to wait or sit there for an hour and i will just shuffle up and i will just draw like 10 12 cards off my deck for like an hour and i will just basically without thinking about it yeah that's good yeah that's good that sucks that's good that's all right i think i got it i'll uh swap this for this yeah also because shuffling I mean, is just nice yeah especially when you have new sleeves oh it's, it's the like, best ooh, feels good um there are some kind of sleeves i think it's the katanas that are really slick when you first leave them up where dragon shields are kind of consistent all the way through, but katanas are like butter, and you're like, fuck. There goes my deck sliding across the table. They were just too hard. They're too hard to get over here. There was a little supply issue and stuff with katanas, and that's basically why I got mm -hmm. off them. Yeah, I get that. But <clears throat> New Year's resolutions. Uh, my second one, and I've noted this, I need to start playing slower, which people will hate. Um, I'm, I generally consider myself a pretty fast magic player. Uh, even mm -hmm. playing control, like, I will go through lines pretty rapidly. But that is because I take a lot of shortcuts, uh, sort of, like, reasoning shortcuts. But sometimes that really screws me up. And I had a good example in a game recently where, generally, if I have, like, nine lands in play and I have a land in my hand and I draw a land, so should have no spells, then I look at my hand. If any of them is a tap land, I'll just play that one, right? Because I don't need the mana now and I might need the untapped land based on whatever I draw. But sometimes, through activated abilities on lands, escape cards in your yard, you might actually need that mana. So I had it the other day where I had... Uh, I had eight lands in play, and one of them was a Castle Ventress, and I had a... Um, it was a Cling to Dust in my graveyard. I had a Pathway on my hand, and I drew a Hall of Storm Giants. I was like, oh, I'll play that, right? The shortcut in my head. Oh, all lands, play the tap land. But then I realized, if I didn't do that, I could activate the castle and escape, cling to dust from my graveyard. But taking those, like, stupid shortcuts makes me make a lot of stupid mistakes. And that is the type of thing that I'm really gonna, like, stop myself from trying to do and think about it more. Or the same thing, and this is something I am better at, but this notion that for some reason instant speed cards can't be played during your turn... Um, and I will also pay more mind to that. Like, I draw a Fatal Push. It's like, isn't there actually value to playing that now? Am I playing against the yeah. blue deck? Am I playing against the Spirits deck? Should I not cast this instant in my turn, which some people seem to be absolutely allergic to? And that, that type of thing, just to take that moment to think. I hate doing it as, like, a fake-out thing, because it just, it wastes everyone's time. Right? If mm -hmm. I have... In theory, I have 10 mountains in play. I have a mountain in my hand and I draw a mountain. I'm not going to be that person that sits there stroking their beard for 15 seconds trying to figure out an imaginary play that's not there. Like, no, I've, we, you have better things to do. I have better things to do. But I do want to start taking those thoughtful, like, sort of moments more often, even if it might piss off my opponent. Because I want to win. Yeah. And, like, I'll do the same thing with, like, vampires where, like, I'll have... Like, let's say I draw a land um, to start my turn. I already have five lands in play. And I'm looking at, okay, is it valuable to make use of the mana I have? And I have, like, a Soren at three already. Because I've already down-ticked Soren to start. I've up-ticked him a couple of times. He's at three now. Is it worth it to minus three, lose my Soren, drop the 
the champion have five mana available and then potentially play another land for turn um and then maybe draw into another sword or something like that or is it better just to like drop the champion dusk draw my cards and then determine based on what i draw like a fatal push or a thought seize do i play an untapped land or play that goblet shrine tapped without like hurting myself that kind of thing yeah exactly um, so yeah it, it, there, there are lines to think through and uh, i think that's a a good thing to have and mostly i think i only have one you 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 thought of three. I, have three. I was like i just want to be more patient <laughs> uh and my third one is that i want to start <laughs> taking better notes because i've and it's more getting back into a habit because i've stopped doing it uh for some reason mm-hmm. um at the, at the moment i'm testing a deck i have a lot of like you know we did that episode the last episode we did was like you know strange or cards we haven't really seen in pioneer should we play them so i'm playing a couple of those um and what i've what i did before i remember this quite well i had the distinction between at the start of the format because we didn't have the luxury of good black black removal so i had to choose between cast down and price of fame and at that point it was still like oh pandemic playing online basically the majority of my games and i just had a note on my phone that just said um and i had uh, whichever one i was playing let's say i'm playing cast down uh, i just had a note that said um cast out something like um cast down drawn um did i wish it was the other card did it matter um did i have another card whatever i had a couple things dotted out i'm not entirely sure anymore sort of like a pie chart for me to quickly run through whenever i drew the card and i did that and then after like 20 games i could draw a conclusion from that it's like oh 90 percent of the time i was happy to draw this one okay guess we're running this uh coligan's command i was thinking like because you start making assumption in your head like i it seems like i constantly just use deal two damage discard and that seems bad but then i actually made a note and it's like cast k command did i do two damage discard and i was drawing and i was like i'm doing this like 95 percent of the time maybe this isn't actually a good card then for my deck and i used to do things like that make distinctions between cards and i would note them down maybe i would use like a different art so i had silver falls and i would use two different arts and i knew that the dominaria art was the one that could have been a steam vents so do i draw it do i wish this was steam vents or not and i would use these type of notes to like make basically when i'm trying something new i would do it through notes rather than play a lot and then try and think because you always forget or you you know you have a lot of biases when you're thinking of something and that's something i stopped doing and something i should start doing again yeah there's actually like a like a study and it's like in human nature like it's like um let's say alex you go out and buy a uh, a new car and you bought like a silver uh bug like a volkswagen beetle right Mm mm-hmm and all of a sudden, you're driving around town, you see way more silver beetles that you never noticed before, and you're like, did everyone else buy a fucking beetle recently? <laughs> no. They've always been there, but because you have now allowed yourself to have that in the front of your mind, because you now own it, or it's relevant to you, you notice it way more. It's a biasy. So trying to play back in your own head, like with your K-Command thing, do I always just do it this way? you might forget about all the times that you've like actually used it for the utility. Now in your exact example that you gave, obviously it didn't work out in that way, but it, your bias, plays a huge part. Yeah. So it's important to to check, 
rather than just make assumptions because again your biases will ruin biases will ruin basically every thought you have about the past so it's way better to have notes recordings that sort of thing that's why none of that shit holds up in a or in a court well i remember <laughs> that and it's like yeah 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 <laughs> well i yeah. saw him do it it's like yeah 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 sure you did sure you did and I guess before we do the next question, if you guys have any New Year's resolutions that you guys are hoping to do when it comes to magic or just your personal life in general, you know, let us know. Put it in the mailbag, uh, message us, um, and you, you might give us something to consider moving forward for ourselves, both in our personal lives and magic lives, that we'll probably give a shout on the cast. So by all means, let us know. All right, so Brad, I'll read the, best, the next one out, but you can answer it first because I think you have a more... Uh refined answer this is from uh bridger also an elk um you were on bridger's cast the other day weren't you i was i was on the shoxies uh, cast we talked all about vampires it was uh what we brew in the shadows the name of the episode it's about an hour it's actually you know if you don't you know you know in the mood for another three hour episode uh i listened to it <laughs> i really enjoyed it we also talked about some other decks about some other brews and ideas you had so uh, do check it out and check out bridger's podcast in general um, but Bridger has the question, what is the best game you have had in Pioneer up to this point? Was it a close match or did you steamroll your opponent? Well, Brad. So I have two answers because Alex and I talked about this when we first saw the question, or at least when Alex first brought it to my attention, um, because he checks the mailbag admittedly more often than I do. Uh, so I just have the um, notification up. So whenever someone puts something in the mailbag, I just get a notification. Yeah, like I, I don't. I'm always on busy on Discord <laughs> yeah. because I, when I work at school and I use my that personal is better, laptop though. for school things, <laughs> yeah, I don't get notifications because yeah. it's so annoying hearing the little boop boop and I'm like, oh my God. And then especially when you have kids that use Discord, which most of them do. And they're like, oh. Doesn't matter how old they are. Teacher is Discord. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I'm not 80. I can use fun things. Anyway, the first answer I had was actually one that I didn't play. And we talked about this with, uh, like I said, I talked about this with you, Alex. When we were doing the invitationals on PlayAway, um, even previously with MTG at home, uh, we were doing like the recordings and casting over invitationals, you and myself or Pioneer. Um, the match between Sir Epic, and who was on Rakdos Pyromancer. Uh, I'm Boral's Burn. I don't know what the other one is. I don't remember who. I, I feel really bad. I'm, I'll, I'll find out later. Let, let's make, make we, we'll uh, make we, a note of putting the VOD in the description for this podcast so you can look it up. Yeah. Um, so this was one I actually played, but it was one that you and I commentated over, and it was, like I said, Rakdos Pyromancer versus Boros Burn, and it was one of the most interesting, fun games I've ever watched, and I, I feel like it, it should be included in this because while we didn't play it, we were very much involved because we're casting over it live and like talking about the lines of play they have available to them and looking at it from both sides, and it was just a back and forth absolute well, it, it was also beauty. just very thoughtful play right it's yeah um we we often talk about and a lot of people have this conversation where like it, it it always comes up is burn an easy deck to play and a lot of people will tell you at least a lot of people will tell you if they're not stupid that burn is easy to pick up but playing burn very well is maybe the hardest deck to play and that was really like that thing that shows off here. Like what burn spell goes where? What sideboard cards do I bring in, etc. Uh I think they had things like um 
basically like suiciding a creature in to get like a spectacled light up the stage or do I just hard cast it like that type of decisions kept coming up during that match and I feel like most players basically took the right one most of the time and yeah. it just made for it a really a... cool really cool match yeah and you know, like I said we'll put the VOD in the description so you guys can watch it um, speaking of VODs uh, my, my other answer is actually in a VOD uh, so I recently appeared on um, the Twitch stream with Casual Jake, uh, who actually we have plans to bring on for the podcast as well. Check him out too. And yeah, that's up now. And it'll, it'll actually be on YouTube as well, like a more condensed down edited version. But we played some games. First, we played some like he was on Mono Green. I was on um, Mono Black uh, Improvised or Mono Black Artifact with um, the uh, Herald uh, Demon from uh, Aether. Really cool deck, really fun. But then after we finished that match, we figured we'd play some more. And we switched decks. He went to play Rakdos Dragons, and I played Mono White uh, Legends with, like, Yorian and stuff. And game one was not good at all for me. I kept... Uh, I, I mulligan first, and then in the second hand, I was like, I guess I have to keep this. And it was a Mutavolt and Nykthos for my lands. Ow! I was like, I just... I'm like, I had to keep Ow. it. And then I just never drew... And then he pushed my Mutavolt at one point because I had to. I tried to put pressure on him, and he killed it. And I was like, "Well, now I have just have a Nykthos, and I never drew a land." <laughs> um, but game two was a lot better. It was really back and forth, um, playing like portable holes, um, like trying to think through my plays of like like creatures and stuff like that. Which he played. Um, he plays the curtain card from Val, the one that flips and can like look at like basically thought sees, but then you draw. Uh, a card, thought not say more like thought not say like. Where you get to yeah, take a hand from right. their hand, but they do get to draw one in return, etc. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, that card was actually really cool. And he was playing Rakdos Dragons, and I'm trying to figure out who I push and stuff like that. Or not push, but portable hole. And um, it was uh, it was really, really, really awesome. And it looked like he had me backed up to the corner with a bunch of dragons and stuff. And uh, there, uh, there was a play available to me to, that I am very happy with. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it here, but I, I would recommend going to watch the VOD uh, in, in the uh I would in the describe it as the most brutal play in the history of Magic. So, you know, I would... Uh, i check it out. Yeah, we're plugging yeah, everyone was... today, but you know, you know what? That's just because there's more Pioneer content rolling in nowadays, and we should just, you know, point everyone to everyone. Go watch all of the cool things. Yeah, uh, the Shoxys cast is really awesome. They've had um, Ruckman on and stuff like that. Um, and then Casual Jake is a great streamer, fun YouTuber. Like, I, an absolute pleasure to hang out with. Um, just fun. So, yeah, uh, both are really awesome people. I would definitely check them both out. So, I'll, um, I had a very hard time with this one. And I actually, I couldn't get to an answer. And the only reason is because my memory is really bad. So, recalling specific matches from, like, a month ago? No, no, no. <laughs> that doesn't work. Hold on, hold on. Let me see if I can guess what your best best game is. Um, the game where I was on John Citadel, and then you were on Elves. Oh, the one where you Mayhem dropped, Devil like, out. a turn two Mayhem Devil, and I just died. Just pinged everything. Yeah, no, oh, I'm sure. No, voice. that was the best one. <laughs> no, um... No, so I'll just go to the points. First of all, like, steamroll or not, like, I hate one-sided games. Um, swingy turns and stuff, like, it is fun if someone gets absolutely destroyed in a cool fashion. 
But like overall one-sided games, they're they're never fun. I've never enjoyed a game where either side's mana screwed. It's just boring. Um and I also really hate gotcha moments. So like if people read cards wrong. So they attack it to mm. your card, it's like, oh, I didn't know it had reach, right? But like something, yeah. either you're in a tournament or like some on attack trigger happens that you're like, we really can't go back because there have been decisions since. Um mm-hmm. I hate that. Um, but I think what makes for a good one, so written down just a couple points. Um, and I have two stories tied to some of these points. Um, so just decks get to display what they're doing. So the if I'm talking about control, right? If I have a I have a bunch of removal spells, the burn deck has a bunch of cheap creatures, they get me to low health because they're burning me out. Well, I have removal stranded in my hand. That type of thing where every deck gets to display what they're doing is super cool. Um I actually really like games where I like have to crawl back from a mistake. So mm. I will do something early, something like maybe I cast a dick through time. And I, I had a game the other day, but I forgot the details, but uh, what I was exactly playing against. But I had a dick through time and I had two extinction events in a dick through time. And I really, th- and those were the only two extinction events in my deck. And I was really like, I don't think I'm really going to need a sweeper this turn. And I bottom it. And next turn, my opponent assembles a board where I'm like, sure wish I had a sweeper right now. Um, mm-hmm. and having to then work your way out of like these holes you dig for yourself can be fun but the the two best ones are um, first of all if my opponent has to pick up a card that I'm playing I, I play weird cards and if someone has to pick it up and it's like that that will make a game again not a gotcha just a reading like man I, I did not play around this card you know yeah. and my favorite one for this this wasn't standard the other example is going to be standard too I was playing at GP Brussels and I was playing against blue white control. Uh, no, I think I was playing against band, uh, band Nexus, but this was before wilderness reclamation. And my opponent, like we tap out, I have some counter war back and forth. I think he like goes for Teferi. Uh, he's already low. I attacked him with some gear hoax. Uh, he goes for Teferi. I try and counter it, counter back, counter back. Okay. You do your, tef- and I end up countering his Teferi. He stepped out. I play Nicobolas God Pharaoh and I just dome him for seven for lethal beautiful and the third game we play and my opponent goes for it same situation happens my opponent goes for teferi uh, it, again they're at low life they go for teferi i negate it they have two mana open very clearly they were going for a teferi with counter backup and i stop and think for a second they see that i have six lands and they're like how much mana does nickel bolus cost again i'm like seven i'm like Okay, and they let their Teferi get countered. And that was mm. just the best feeling. Because I didn't have it in my hand at all, because it was a stupid one-off, because I couldn't go to a tournament without a Nicobolas in my deck. You know, the more they yeah. change, the more things stay the same. Um, <laughs> but that was just the best feeling, to just have someone play around my weird card. And the other one, actually, this also involves Nicobolas Dragon God. Um, uh, God Pharaoh, sorry using weird and unexpected lines that come up. And this definitely comes up with the type of cards that steal things from your opponent. Maybe you have some effect like Angrath that can steal a card from your opponent. So you're now swinging with a creature that wasn't in your deck to begin with. And my best example for this is I'm playing at an FNM against a good friend of mine, and he's playing Teamer Energy, and it's an Hour of Devastation. I plus Nicobolas um, God Pharaoh, and I hit a tune with Aether which once you've cast your seven mana planeswalker feels like a terrible play. 
because I was already at seven mana. But okay, I cast it. I grab a basic. Now I go for an hour of devastation. He goes to pump his uh, Hydra to put it out of range. But because of that extra mana, I now disallow the last one. I stifle the trigger, <laughs> and now it actually dies to the sweeper. And just when those stupid, quirky things come up, that, that always makes a game for me. That's the reason I still remember those two games, and I don't remember yeah. most games. Just when stupid shit comes up, also stealing things, stealing Planeswalker abilities with Nicol Bolas, uh, Dragon God is just the best feeling. Just lethaling someone with their own Planeswalker. You had that the other day, you said, where someone played a Bolas, plus your Chandra's ability, dealt two to you, played another one, two to you again. Yeah, it was, um, I had, okay, so I actually just scrolled up to find it as you were, before you even brought it up. Um, so I was playing Arena, I was playing Historic, and I was on Mono Red, pretty much the exact same Mono Red as in Pioneer with like the double Eidolon effects, that kind of thing. But of course, there's no Eidolon, so it's all on Cemetery Gatekeeper, and then I was running some uh, on-crop Crashers uh, in the three-drop slot as well, um, which actually I, I enjoyed a lot, thought it was pretty good. Might consider running it in pioneer uh but <clears throat> i got a grixis player down to two life i had double roiling vortex out in the field and i had chandra uh tod out i was at 10 they swing in with four mana bolus they get me down to six they plus with five mana bolus and use chandra's ability to uh, have me take two they cast another five mana bolus they do it again get me down to two and then i lose to my own vortex on the next turn it was That's really cool. Yeah. But just those are the type and of games. Like, yeah. I think at the end of a game, a game is good, is a, it's an exceptionally good game. If you go away and it's like, this could only happen in Magic the Gathering. Mm -hmm. Like, because so many games like Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh! For example, Yu-Gi-Oh! is kind of a, and Pokemon has, Pokemon has especially, because it doesn't really have instant speed interaction or that sort of thing, where it's really sort of you're playing your own game, your opponent's playing your own game. And Hearthstone has that too, but Magic has that interactive element too. And when that shines, that is what makes a game for me. The, yeah, the physical definitely. card where I could pick up my opponent's card. So there are cards that say, no, I can now, I grab your card and I now play your card. Um, yeah, the, that's that's the best thing about the game. But yeah, is the fact there's instant speed stuff. Recalling specific games, I'm sorry. Bad at it. I played a game in the league the other day, which we do have recorded. If we come around to it, would be super cool. We might do commentary over it. That was a really cool game when I played with the zombies deck, but I wouldn't think that's my best game. But it was cool. Yeah. So right. where are we going to start? I suppose year in review and then looking forward? Sure. Or you want to do so, some, some challenges things first? Current? I mean, we can probably discuss year in review and then kind of talk, then let that segue into the, uh, the challenges. Sure. Um, so... If we had to go back, look at 2021 as a whole, which it, God, that was that it felt like the longest year of my life um, with like COVID and everything like that. Because okay, so there was um there's a Twitter account I follow where it's like it's like picks of the year or like something like that, um or like uh just it was something. Um, actually, I think it was like I think it was Time. It was their account doing like the picks of the year, and the one that they used to like you know, be the clickbait thing to draw you in to click on the article and look through all of them was that picture of Bernie Sanders uh, mm. sitting uh, cross-legged, like looking that was really amazing. grumpy in the cold. 
And my first thought when I looked at that, I was like, holy shit. That was this that year. That was this year? What the fuck? It's been a long one. 2021. Yeah. Well, well, with Magic, we've I, had a lot. I mean, I'm already off to a great start. I had that exact moment you just had with the Bernie Sanders picture with the existence of Coldheim. I was like, that was this year? <laughs> yeah. Um, man. Yeah, we had Coldheim... Strixhaven, AFR, and then your double set of Midnight uh, Hunt and Val. Alex, what do you think was the most impactful set for Pioneer in 2021? Ooh, I think it's gotta be Midnight Hunt. Uh, if you look at the top decks of the format right now, with Phoenix, Winoda, Burn, they all got something in Midnight Hunt. Um... Winoda basically just reinvented itself and became a whole new deck. Um, yeah, going from a that, better one. Yeah, much better. Going, moving away from that combo part, going to that mid rangey plan with still the you know if you attack and you hit two hunt masters, you're probably dead too. That hasn't changed from Angraf's Marauder, and so that was hugely impactful. We got Consider obviously, which strangely enough hasn't gotten any Delve spells banned yet um we had play with fire for burn uh, and i'm sure i'm forgetting a bunch of other cool cards that really made i think this set tick more i would almost have set strixhaven literally because of the existence of expressive iteration but oh by the and way go blank and, and go blank uh midnight Hunt also had galvanic iteration which made phoenix reinvent yeah. itself so two top decks that were already good have reinvented themselves due to cards from this set and Fateful Absence was in that set too, which gave a, a boost to a uh, control. Sunset Revelry too, which helped a yeah. lot too. For uh, And I also think that's kind of the plus of Midnight Hunt, where all these cards are good. None of them feel ridiculous to me. It's not this mm -hmm. deck's broken because it gets to run Uro, right? It's like, no, this deck yeah. is now very good because it gets to run some new, interesting, powerful card or a card that solves a problem that this deck had without immediately making a deck have no weakness and that sort of thing. I think that was that made Midnight Hunt a very good set. What about you? I would be inclined to agree with you on Midnight Hunt just because of all the cards you just mentioned. Uh, Strixhaven is really close there, but Strixhaven was just off of like a couple of cards, so you didn't really get much else in the set. Um, though, I mean, I guess this can lead into my next question because I think we're both in agreement on Midnight Hunt. What do you think was the single most influential or important card to come to Pioneer between all of the sets? Because I think it was Expressive Iteration. I mean, Expressive Iteration is a very good card, but other than Phoenix, where is it played? It, it shows up everywhere in every format. Just Guy Ascendancy? Oh yeah, it, it did a lot for that deck too. I, I was thinking Consider... And it shows up in the same decks. Yeah, it shows true. up in Ascendancy, shows up in Phoenix, but then also occasionally shows up in Demir Control if you see it. It shows up as in other weird decks, but I think it's uh, I think it's close between those two. I would say. Yeah. Though Go Blank, I mean <laughs> maybe it's Go Blank. Because that shows up in more decks. Basically, if your deck is black, uh, yeah. there's probably Go Blank in it. Mm -hmm. And even in the main, in a lot of the decks too. Yeah, who, am, who who could have thought? 
If we said end of 2020, we're like next year, one of the best cards for Pioneer is going to be a Mind Rolt variant. Hitting the yard is super powerful. Just bajuka bog on a mine rot. I mean, that's that's really impressive. Apparently, it'll right? do. Yeah. After seventeen uh, variants of mind rot, we found a good one. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the only way it one it could get better is if it's a mine rot that says like, um, they discard two rot two cards, and then you choose a card type, and then they, they reveal take their damage hand. equal. <laughs> No, I was going to say, they take damage equal to the amount of that card type in their grave. <laughs> you just one-shot a Phoenix. You just one-shot an aggro player. <laughs> you have 50 creatures. Bye-bye. Uh, but yeah. That would make the Mill win really without good. milling. It would turn Mill good into a burn deck. Good for them. Fair enough. They, they deserve it. <laughs> um, but I think a fun one now, is, let's just kind of go over the individual sets real quick and sort of our thoughts on it so i'll 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 let you take the easy one tell us why call time sucked too much going on in one set it should have been a block um like if, if there is any set that needed the double set treatment like midnight hunt and val got it was call time um just because if you had what runes you had gods you had the uh the art of like the, the equipment you had berserkers you had foretell um, you even had vehicles in the set and it had so much Tribes. going on at once. Yeah. The, yeah. Like it left behind the ability to be, to excel in any one of those. Like, let's look at like examples of the past, right? Or even, even in the future, what's a mechanic we got this year in 2021 that ended up actually being much better than we thought. Like, look at like blood tokens, right? Yeah. And they're dedicated enough space to that set within both the tribe of vampires and other cards like Blood Fountain and uh, Vampire's Kiss and stuff like that, where blood tokens have the ability to shine in some capacity because, you know, they dedicate enough slots to it and they didn't overdo it with other conflicting mechanics. Or let's go back with Kaladheim. And I'm sorry, not Kaladheim, um, Kaladesh and Aether Revolt. Look at it. Look at energy. Um Energy was able to, you know, we talk about it being the number one example of a parasitic mechanic, but it's one that works well enough to have a deck to run because they dedicated enough slots and card types that make use of it. Now, there are a lot of duds, too, with energy, which is why it's not a top deck or even a play but, deck early in Pioneer. But that's kind of the point. When you dedicate enough space to a mechanic, you are allowed to have duds. If you yes. put two rune payoffs and five runes in your set. If two of the runes and one of the payoffs suck, the other payoff and the other three runes don't matter. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, because we saw that that dwarf was spoiled first. Yeah, we were like, we this, this is either going to be insane or completely dumb or completely yeah. pointless. And it and it was completely pointless because we got five runes. And OK, look, those five runes all draw a card on entry and they all have fairly OK stats on them. But there's not enough. I mean, they were just boring cartouches. Yeah, I like agree. cartouches had the trials as payoffs, which still wasn't great. And it didn't do anything outside of limited. But first of all, none of them was a rare. And I believe mm -hmm. the crown was a rare, and maybe even the dwarf itself was a rare. The dwarf was a rare. Yeah, I yeah. don't know if the crown was, but... The um, runes themselves were uncommons, but... Yeah, so even that, you have a bunch of uncommons and a bunch of rares that are supposed to make a draft archetype, 
Like, that's already weird. Mm. Um, and it's supposed to do this weird stormy thing because they all cost one colorless with a dwarf. It just it didn't make any sense. And I think that was the, the, the as you point out, the big mistake Kaldheim made, especially because so many of the things were so easy to fix. First of all, they made Kaldheim from the ground up. They didn't need to give it 10 realms. They no. could have given it five. I can't even name one. I can't name one. Um, no, I just know Port of Carfell, but I don't know if Carfell's a place or a realm. It could be just a I town. A realm. Like, I have I think no all, idea. I think they're, they're all probably realms. All, all those realms. lands. Like, like, there's 10 of those it, lands, Like right? that again, right? We have to make... We can't even dedicate names to places. Literally, the moment we use a place name, it encompasses an entire realm, because there's just there's no room for world building here. It's just... There's 10 realms, and they all do things. Yeah. But they could have condensed all of this. Five, five realms instead of 10. We had Berserker Tribe, Elf tribe, not sure, some of the elves are cool, but berserk tribes, elf tribes, dwarf tribal. Well, we came off Zendikar that had warriors. And I've said this a mm. hundred times. Why didn't Kaldheim just continue the warriors? And just yeah, have instead of the berserkers. And just have one tribe, not instead of the berserkers, instead of the dwarfs, instead of the elves. And you could have completely left the elves out of Kaldheim, to be honest. If you want to yeah. slice the set down, or you break it in two, but if you don't want to break it in two, Cut the elves, cut the dwarves, give us warriors. And if you want to have some dwarves in there because it's flavorful, dwarf warriors. Solved it. And then, then they put themselves into a box because they're like, well, we have dwarves. The last time we had a big thing of dwarves was Kaladesh. What, did, what were dwarves known for? Vehicles. So and they shoehorn vehicles, vehicles. too. <laughs> and then only yeah. one of them ends up being playable, and it relates to cats. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it's weird. It's so weird. We got good cards in Kaladheim, don't get me wrong, but it just, it could have been a better set. And and when, when uh, Maru did his uh, year in review thing or whatever recently, a little while ago, looking at 2021, um, he did talk about too much going on in Kaldheim. So yeah. at least they're self-aware a, to the I, point of I knowing I really, that. and I think Kaldheim had so much potential and the Viking theme is so cool. If they would announce 2023, we fucked up, we are going back to Kaldheim, Two full sets to expand on this, I would be beyond hyped. I like, would too. There is so much room to do so much cool stuff, and Kaldheim was such a was a bit of a dud, just like Ikoria. I don't know when we're gonna go back to Ikoria, and honestly, I don't really care. But please go back to Kaldheim. There's so much wasted potential here that I am dying to know more about. If you give me half a set worth of Berserkers, I'll care. But not if you give mm -hmm. me three. Yeah. And then the saga, like that's like, cool, make a Berserker. Oh, also there was Bo uh, Boast. There was another mechanic oh, in Kaldheim. Yeah, which didn't do... Cool design. I really love the design on Boast. But just mm -hmm. not, a, not a good... It's a bit weird that you can do it during combat. You're literally running into your death, but I guess you're boasting. So here's a warrior. But... Other than that, pretty cool mechanic. Mm -hmm. All right, let's look at Strixhaven. Alex, we continued the theme of Zendikar and Kaldheim with the MDFC double face cards, the modals. I, did it hit in Strixhaven? I think Strixhaven did a lot of things right, but also really got a lot of things wrong. If we think like 
the, the extremes of what they did right. What they did right was Lorehold. Lorehold was awesome. It was a really different take on Boros. Um, it did things that Boros doesn't do. It was artifact-related. It was spirit-related. There was a lot of this, like, history, ancestry type of thing that was super cool and went away from generic soldiers, basically. Yeah. And then you have Witherbloom that is literally Golgari with another name. And it just I would say all I would say all of them are related to their guilds from Ravnica besides Laurel. Yeah, Laurel. but some of the other ones, you know, like Simic Simic Quandrix was still science, but it's more mathy. Um uh, the so I would say sort of like where Simic is a bit more green, Quandrix is a bit more blue. Um the is it one did share that sort of creativity with is it but it was music and art instead of science so i think gameplay wise a lot of them played out very similarly expressive iteration can be uh just a, an is it guild card basically so yeah. i do agree with that but some of it again i think it was a little cool flavor I was a bit worried. It was literally just going to be a stupid Harry Potter set, but it really did sort of come into his own um, a lot more than I had feared. I think the Mystical Archives were a great take on what, like, masterpieces would be. I really loved what they did with those. The flavor of them was on point, too. Bunch of good cards in there. Overall, solid set. Not the best, but solid, right? If if the lowest we go is Strixhaven, I think we've achieved good design. Unfortunately, the lowest we went was Kaldheim. The lowest we went was Crimson Vow, but we'll talk about it. Ooh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna respectfully disagree with that. I actually have a lot of good things to say about Crimson Vow after some reflection, but we'll we'll press forward. Um, I agree with a lot of the points you made with Strixhaven. Um, the idea was great. The spell slinging idea that they wanted to go with with like the wizards and stuff, and then. A lot of the um, the schools were or colleges were kind of cool, especially like you said, Lorehold was the best one. So expanding upon that is good, though it had a little bit of the same issue that Caldheim uh, had, where it's like let's expand on these like extra like areas of the the universe and the school and stuff, where we didn't really expand on it enough. Yeah, that and wonder of the archaic or something is from this yeah. whole outfield area that we just don't talk about. Mm -hmm. It was weird. So. And it doesn't feel worth to go back. back for, for just that. No, it doesn't. So, again, just feels like it should be two sets, kind of. Strixhaven could have been, like, big set, small set, where Call Time could have probably been big set, big set. Yeah. I, I know it's it's tough from a business standpoint, because on one hand, blocks are wonderful for fleshing out the realms that we're going to, the planes that we're going to, the mechanics that we want to explore and things like that. But then on the other hand, it's hard to be like, hey, investors, we're going, we're, we're doing like two whole new planes a year where the other side is like, but we want more to peak interest, that kind of thing. So I understand the difficulty. I think that and there are pros and cons to both. I think that really depends on how you put it, right? Kaladesh, I would agree. Because Kaladesh and uh, Aether Revolt look very similar to each other. 
But like they mm. they really are kind of one set. But for example, if we look at uh, Shadows Over Innistrad and Eldritch Moon, Shadows Over Innistrad was sort of like, you know, we have classic Innistrad with some like Lovecraftian horror, which is a very natural fit. And then the next set is just full-on Lovecraftian, Eldrazi everywhere, tentacles slapping you about, which kind of feels like those are distinct enough that it works, mm-hmm. right? So in Kaldheim, first set could have been like, I don't know, like dwarven, uh, dwarven ingenuity, and then it's all the dwarves. And then the second one is like elven uprising, and it's all about Harvard and the elves. And those would be two pretty similar sets, but the flavor of a set is usually tied around like 50 cards. Mm. And then you can use the other 200 to actually flesh out the set. So I, th- I think you could do it, but it does depend. Not every, I don't know if Strixhaven would lend itself for two sets very well. I think that might be harder to do because you can't really do first year of school, second year of school. <laughs> that wouldn't be distinct enough. All right, let's look at AFR. Um, a arguably long overdue yes <laughs> uh you know kind of tie-in it's they're both owned by wizards of the coast it's something that we've fans have been wanting for a long time i'm not even an avid D player or someone that enjoys it that much um i think it's entertaining um but i guess first thing we'll just talk about like the actual impact that i had in the sense of this tie-in ignoring the set as a whole the tie-in how did that go as far as flavor, representation of these amazing characters uh, coming to life in paper? Um, how did that, how do you take away from that before we talk about the cards themselves? I would consider AFR basically a home run. I thought it was, looking back, a really good set with a really good tie-in. And also because they went out of their way to immediately say, Lore-wise, planeswalker stuff doesn't don't uh, doesn't matter. Don't worry, you're not gonna see Loth on another plane. Okay, cool. We got that out of the way. We're just gonna tie the mechanics of D and D and the mechanics of magic together. And some of these things I wasn't really high on at first, like naming every ability. Right, and it's like that's mm-hmm. a lot of words. But honestly, it worked. And when it worked out, uh, when it it worked when we when it eventually played out. Uh, I was worried about rolling dice. They very carefully kept that to cards that were clearly for limited. So none of that stuff leaked out of standard, uh, leaked out of limited, unless you're doing that weird splinter twin combo with the advantage Mm -hmm. given fairy. Which, by the way, uh, one problem there, that's not how advantage works in D&D. You cannot get more than one instance of advantage. And uh, so they could have even fixed that by just making it the D&D rules and then it wouldn't have worked. But all the other ones, they're all, they're all good. None of them bothered me. None of them f- leaked out anywhere. So that's super good. Art was great. I love those cards that were like, um, you know, a guard approaches. And you get these two mm. options that really tie in. Those were fantastic too. Uh, I immediately, the moment we start talking about it, I grabbed my, which I pulled like alternate art, Red Dragon, which was, was just amazing. I loved how these full art cards worked. The cards that were like the original D&D art, sort of these like, not black and white, it was like parchment, written parchment cards. They mm-hmm. were amazing. The whole tie-in, everything made sense. It was slam dunk set. I loved it. I would say as a whole, not to deviate too much, but when you're talking about art, 
2021 as a whole with magic was a slam dunk home run, whatever fucking sports analogy you want to make. It was amazing. (laughs) Well done across the different showcase arts, things like that. And I think we started with Ikoria with the comic book stuff and like even the Godzilla stuff, which some people didn't like, but I thought was well done being not independent cards named Godzilla, but ones that are, you know, they have the bracket of the actual name. This is the reskin. Ever since then, art has been in a absolute another level. Gone are the days of like, here's your borderless card where it's just a zoomed in version of the art that encroaches on the other side, the rest of the card. Um, I thought that was lazy. It was really poorly done. And they've gone away from that. And they've actually expanded it, allowed you to see more art. And then the alternative arts with all the different showcases, with the call time showcase uh, uh, border, which was beautiful, well done, um, which they lead into like the secret layers, which those Croxes are awesome looking. Um, the Strixhaven ones of just... Actually, does Strixhaven really have that much different going on with like well, showcase arts? Obviously, and stuff? the... Uh... The mystical archives yeah that's, i think yeah, i think right. that's where that sort of like budget went to for that set like we're doing the mm-hmm. mystical archives everything else is going to just look magic-y yeah and then afr with their um different new like alternate arts for like the borderless and things like that and like the parchment like the the basically like the stats even the art cards where you had the art of like the um the card yeah i have a i have a goblin token with a goblin stat block on it and it's just that's just yeah, the best thing super cool and of course, they continued that with Midnight Hunt and Val, which I thought were amazing as well. So that that's another high point for me. For the and I know some people are like, well, when you have all these, when you make the alternate arts way more common, it takes away from them feeling special or whatever. Like with old, I, old sets, but I didn't have that as I much. Fine. I think the problem, and I had this. If you go back and we talk about Kaldheim, I had this issue where I was like, we're getting too much alternate art, and at one point, what is a magic card? And yeah. I will say this year, I mean, I think some, again, like, especially the sort of alternate art, like alternate art Red Dragon from AFR, that's just, this perfectly fits. Um, mm-hmm. Overall, I think the black and white ones from Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow, they kind of worked. Uh, the alternate art Edgar, for example, that's also a very good example. Where Way I, better than the original art. Yeah, but where I feel like I've... I've grown to appreciate it. I still don't care as much about it, but it hasn't... I was afraid it was going to bother me, like, as the year went on and we got more and more of it, but it, it hasn't really. It's, it's, it's fine. I don't, I don't yeah. mind it as much. And I know a lot of people like you find it super cool. I'm like, yeah, sure, have at it. As long as I can read the cards. Yeah. Problem I have with some of the secret lairs, like, I know you like, like, the Assassin's Trophy, that's, like, the band poster one. It's like, I can't read that yeah. card. <laughs> like and the black and white one on the basics is bullshit they all look the same they're all swamps yeah like, the, that one's those, bollocks but that that was a little bit of a miss i think they could have done that and there are some actual like artists and like commissioned people on twitter that they do like alters and stuff that took their takes on that style and they they did them in much better ways which tells me that wizards and we go back to this all the time wizards needs to take more of an advantage of their community and what the skill sets and everything like that are available. You talked about, was it RuneScape that did this? Or was it, uh, no, it was, um, uh, it was WoW, right? Where they basically like, they had that entire wiki page or whatever. And like um, Blizzard kind of like 
let them take control of like all the lore and like the the wiki stuff like this no that was that was runescape where they had but that's where they outreach they literally had a they basically picked up a community member that was doing the wiki and they're like this one's better than ours so we're just gonna give you resources and it's literally if you click the button in the client now to go to the wiki you actually go to their wiki they just put that in the client because they're like yeah this community does runescape is phenomenal that old school runescape Mm -hmm. community content creators everyone just join in on the creative effort yeah wizards needs to do that as well uh, or some semblance of that because the community that we have access to within magic is far none one of the best there is um every community has like toxicity and stuff like that that's neither here nor there that's going to happen with any type of hobby that people love and people might have gatekeepers and shitty things like that but as a whole it's one of the most welcoming communities I've ever been a part of. And you've gone to my LGS and like just talking to people, um, finding people like you to start this podcast with, like that started over just like, Hey, we need people to play magic with and talk about yeah, magic with exactly. on discord. Like th- this is the, one of the greatest communities of all time. And the talents within the community is unmatched in some areas. And they wizards needs to do a better yeah, job of feeding that. Holy shit. If you go on Reddit sometimes and people are like, you know, I'm working on my portfolio to become a magic artist. I'm looking for honest critique. Holy shit, the stuff these people post. It's like, this They're is just so like good. your starting portfolio. Like, oh my God. This is where, this yeah. is, well, I'm not going to say this is your starting board because these people poured thousands of hours into their work to get to that level of skill. Right, it's that mm. meme where someone's like plays a lot of guitar, and like, someone comes by. I wish I was as talented as you, and then you see like flashbacks of the thousands of hours of practice that goes into that thing. Yeah, but the yeah, bloody fingertips. Yeah. Now I do think, generally, because I do agree a lot with what you say that this the community could be involved more. Um, I will say overall, Magic's art directors are very good. Like they yes. they know what they're doing. So I don't want to give them too much shit for these black and white ones that are just misses. And we'll talk about double feature and that joke. Um, Those are misses. Overall, I would say the art direction people at uh, Wizards of the Coast are among the best. Going back to AFR, let's talk about the cards. How was the set overall with cards? We talked a little about like the dice roll mechanic and like um, there's the dungeon mechanic, which is really cool. Um, doesn't wasn't like and a lot of these were are very limited based like you said yeah and they haven't really like kind of sneaked into uh constructed play too much but we did get some good cards that have a place in constructed um i still think by far it's no competition the number one card from afr is innkeeper Ooh. i think it's the innkeeper most impa- impactful very best good. card that came out of the set um and it's one that you and I glossed over pretty pretty easily when we first saw it. Of like, yeah, cool, you gain life when it comes in, but in the treasure, but like that that ability to have another ramp um mana dork, so to speak, on turn two. That can die. Which we have some that can die, exactly. So like it, it kind of is in the same vein as like uh carry added, uh with it being hexproof, but even that can get around with like sacrifice stuff. So the fact that it leaves behind its ramp is really good and then the fact that when it does stick it's life gain in the decks that it goes in is incredibly relevant especially if you go infinite with scurry oak oh fuck off (laughs) i hate that i hate that i I was complaining about that uh with justifiably so but um 
Yeah, no, I think AFR... I think the set had... It had a bunch of cool cards, right? Um, the Manland Cycle ended up being really cool. And our cards that I've Phenomenal. started using more in decks. Where at the start, we're like, these look, these look fine. But they've perfor- overperformed. Um, I probably... One of the best control finishers ever printed in Hall of the Storm Giants. I really think so. Um, because it's a land... Uh, yeah, I can get pushed with Ward of Three. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, it, it's like because you can because like what's what's the meme of like azori sometimes where like you don't because azori's is kind of iffy about running control finishers besides big to fairy it's <laughs> like so oh, fuck. You're, yeah the way the way you're gonna win is by tucking to fairy infinitely when you get your alt and just continue just oh, fuck off dude but now you actually have a finisher if you want to go with that um, elixir of immortality type of like slower like god please fucking kill me type of uh, control at least they have a land that's like hey i'm fucking seven seven let's go yeah, I, I, like you have that now i think for control i think it has a hard time beating out the original zendikar duels so uh creeping tar pit and celestial colonnade i think those would be better um colonnade is them. evasive Creeping Tar Pit is cheaper, so you get earlier mm. to that point where I can... That's why I kind of... I do think Hall of Storm Giants, I like it more overall and how it turns out, but like Hive of the Eye Tyrant does it upside too, where it's a bit... It's quicker to start attacking while not having to completely tap out. But yeah. I think they've all been very good. I'm very annoyed that I don't have a good... It doesn't fit in my mana base very well. With I don't care about like super early untapped red mana, but God is dead of the Buckbear a good card. There's a reason it's a six, seven dollar card right <laughs> it's, now. That is, it leaves behind a body. Like, that is so yeah. good. If you just find a moment where your opponent's like tapped out, even swinging in just to have that blocker on your next turn, there was nothing to do. Super good. Yeah. Um, and the fact that, like, um, I mean, it slots perfectly in the red deck. I mean, I think all the manlands are very good. And well, they're manlands for aggro, which is super cool. Yes. And Mutavolt's great, but like, excuse me christ um <laughs> immediately thought of have you seen this screenshot of like someone getting their uber eats and um it's uh it says that the the guy delivering their their food is is his name is christ and it tells you what he's delivering on it says christ is on a bicycle so it's like jesus christ on a bicycle <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah these manlands are fucking sweet and we've complained about it where like in the, some of the decks that you and i play where it's like how many times do you have like you you just finished turn two, you're you're top you draw into turn three and you draw one of your man lands that need to be played on the first two turns? You're like, son of a bitch. Um, but that's good design. Yeah. Truly. Because if they came if because then they just be like the fast lands of like if they were three or less, they'd be I think too good. They need to have that little bit of a downside. Yeah, I th- I think I think they're good as they are. I would uh mm-hmm. I don't think they yeah, I don't think they need a, a lot of changes. I th- I think you could maybe have them enter for one turn longer untapped. But they're they're good as they are. So I don't I wouldn't wouldn't touch them too much. Like if I would go back and like if I had a hand it in and redesign AFR, I wouldn't necessarily change this. But I do think overall, though, a bit of the complaint with the set is it was very much designed for limited, that great D&D tie-in, 
but that did leave a lot of cards to be like they left something to be desired for constructed especially because modal cards tend to be they have they're strong in flexibility but they can often be like you have the choice between two weak cards because that's that modality has to give you in most situations so if you put a set together with a ton of modal cards in it most of them will suck mm-hmm. and that did that did happen AFR had modal cards? Yeah, all the... You meet some goblins, you... Um, a guard approaches. That's what I meant. Like, you can oh, choose. More, more like charms. Yeah, yeah those yeah, type yeah. of cards. Okay. Yeah, I gotcha, I gotcha. I mean, if I look at, like, the top 50 cards in Pioneer, I wonder if any of them really show up. I'm sure the innkeeper shows up. The lands um, probably do. Den of the Buckbear definitely does. The lands do. They're, they're top... Uh, Den of the Buckbear is number nine for most lands for Bland's played, and then Hall Storm Giants is number 10 for lands. Um, looking at the top 50 cards in general, uh, let's see, Portable Hole was really fucking good. It's number 12 right now in uh, Pioneer, has played cards. Or Portable Hole. Uh, Would have been such a good modern card if they didn't print Prismatic Ending literally a month later. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's depressing. Um, Innkeeper's number 29 uh, for most top 50 played Pioneer cards. I think those are honestly the only two that crack the top 50. Yeah, those are the only two that crack. They're good cards. So. And, and like, remember, we want that, right? I don't yeah. think we're, we are playing a, a non rotating format in Pioneer, which is honestly taking the role of modern. That I had years ago. It's starting to take the, the role standard a bit. When it comes to paper play and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, I agree. Because all standard is just di- is pretty much a digital format at this point um, in the ways that it's played. At least on Arena. So looking at sets, we don't want a Theros Beyond Death anymore. We don't want 12 cards that come into the format making new archetypes or like just slotting into car- uh, decks so easily. Getting two playable Pioneer cards out of a, out of a set is fine. Yeah. I, really, I really think it's fine. It's uh, I, I, it's nice to have a set that shakes up more from time to time. But this is kind of similar to what I said about Strixhaven. Like if this is if this is the floor where we find ourselves with sets, I, I wouldn't be happy if every set was this. But it's, it's a fine set. And we also had the, the Book of Exalted Deeds, which is a cool little uh, combo. And obviously, with, like, they and did have to... This set, with dice rolling and some of the flavorful things that just had to be in there, right? Like Vecna had to be in there, too. Um, Tiamat had to be in there. They did mm. have a lot of room that was already going to be taken up by either, like, Commander-style cards... Or, like, the dice-rolling cards that you really do not want to regularly have show up in your constructed formats, if at all. You really don't want them to show up in your constructed formats. So, you're already starting with, like, half a set of cards that you actually don't want to have end up in standard. So, you have to design accordingly. So, obviously, less is going to break through if half your set is cards that are for Commander and other things. Now, I think there is room for Book of Foul Darkness to eventually have some cool synergy that could actually make that card pretty good. 
Yeah, I, I think what sets it apart from the um, the white one, the Book of Exalted Deeds, is the fact that you need the uh, to get use of its main, like its 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 powerhouse aspect of the card. You need the other, you know, two artifacts or three artifacts um, to to run with it, um, and that's where it kind of like becomes a weird deck building challenge, mm. and it's like it's hard to make them all work. Especially because the, the hand of Vecna sucks. The eye of Vecna's yeah. okay. The hand sucks. Mm. So that's the issue with that with that card. But I think it could have some cool room later on. All right. Midnight Hunt. We both agree it's the most impactful set of the entire year of 2021. Has a lot of powerhouse cards. Um, I don't think we need to spend too much time on this set because we kind of covered it when we talked about the most impactful set being it yeah. reinvigorated Winota. We got uh, buffs for Blue Eye Control. Um, it gave us just a lot of good cards. We had Consider being in uh, pretty much every deck that can run it. Um, we have Play of Fire, which really pushed forward Red in another uh, aspect of just having that. Because what, what is the problem that Red has? The ability to kind of like, once you run out of steam, you kind of run out of steam. So that that Scry is pretty impactful and, and on a shock. So, you know. Just what I would want to add with Midnight Hunt is that I think for Midnight Hunt, the flavor was very on point too. Yeah. Uh, I thought there were a lot... I love... Um, I like what Day Knight did to fix some of the werewolf problems. Uh, it made mm. it a lot less annoying stuff to track. It made it a little smoother. It made it so like your opponent could toy with it less because I think it was about cards played on their turn specifically rather than cards played in a turn. So all these things helped uh, the cards that synergized with Day Knight, like that, I don't know what he's called, the Astronomer guy, that basically becomes more powerful every time it turns night, which is because he's observing the night sky. Like, mm -hmm. those type of things I thought was super cool. Um, yeah, just a, just a good set all around, flavor-wise, too. Just, you know, not maybe not the strongest... Innistrad said it doesn't beat original Innistrad, I think, with its flavor no. and strength. I don't, but think, it's, I don't think anything will. I don't know, honest. but like if I would rank <clears throat> the Innistrad set in terms of flavor, I don't think Dark Ascension or something is frowned upon, but it's probably just the whole original Innistrad block at the top. This is probably number four for me. Maybe it's Eldritch Moon as number four. Like this is like Eldritch mm. Moon level good for me with like flavor and that sort of thing. Yeah. Or like I buy it. Cool. Where I see the theme, it's like I buy this theme. I dig it. One card that we uh we didn't really touch on that much, but Luminarch Veteran giving us a soul sister was very good. Yeah, that's to, that's to, building towards you know, an archetype. Oh, it is. Um we have I mean, okay, we shit on Kaldheim. And arguably the two weakest sets in the year being Kaldheim and uh afr which afr was good we talk about that but as far as like constructed and what it gave to pioneer i think those are the two weakest um you might argue val but i think the fact that edgar and soren go into vampires and gave that new life, i mean we got thalia which almost single-handedly yeah. makes it so like it can't really completely shit on Val for what it gave us yeah but those two sets gave us angel's company with uh, uh, Righteous Valkyrie from Kaldheim, Youthful Valky Valkyrie from Kaldheim, Luminarch Veteran from Midnight Hunt, ignoring, I guess, the other two sets. But um, then we have the Book of Exalted Deeds and Portable Hole. True. All cards that this these two sets gave us, and that's that's very good. I loved a, a quick extra note, on, but I, I, I think what we... 
you know, did come to. Caldar meant too much going on, but there was... We want to see more because there was so much cool shit in that set, but just very yeah. little. I love the idea, because with dragons and demons, you can't really do this, but the idea that, okay, we're going to flavor Valkyrie as lower CMC angels. Yeah, and I was that like, was that's great. such a good idea to bring that archetype that is usually five drops plus into an actual playable thing. Like, yeah, you can play angel tribal now. Brilliant. And if they expand more in berserkers, we had all the demon berserkers and we had that. We had the yeah, berserkers in the lower CMC um, and like they weren't very good, but you have that ability to look at other ways to alter your card types to be able to be a playable tribe. And we even got that with AFR Dragons a little bit with like Dragonborn. The, um, the Mana Rock. Yeah, but also the Dragonborn. Yeah. You can flavor those as three, maybe a one mana Dragonborn is still a little bit iffy, but like two, three, four mana, that's where you could start finding Dragonborn that are respectable creatures. Yeah. Um, all right. I'll let you lead the way with Val because you have some, some obvious gripes with it in some capacity. Val was just fucking boring. Like, that's just my main gripe on it. I did not care for the set. It was a wedding. It was wedding the set. But because there were bitey boys in it and it's on Innistrad, I'm supposed to be interested. Right? Like, I love this example. Uh, I listened to the uh, Dice Removal podcast the other day. Where they were like, the card wedding ring is literally just called wedding ring. Like, yeah. there is no, like crimson sick no just wedding ring and wedding invitation and drunk guest and it's like I'm, am i describing like it's literally just wedding the set but but vampires the, the mm -hmm. vampires weren't even the best part the humans win in the end and you could argue that there's probably more good humans than good vampires in the set too yeah so it was like, i can i can yeah look i thought olivia was an incredibly disappointing card um like, which was supposed to be the main set. I know that Edgar isn't a bad card. It's a pretty good card. It's his play now. But if I think of Edgar Markov as the top of a set, do I think of a bloated Legion Lieutenant? No. I think of something cooler than that. Um, hey, if you, if you take my advice of my nickname for him being Vampire Jesus, sounds a lot better. Yeah, but... I mean, it's just, this, the set was so, it's not about cards alone. There are fine cards in this set. There are fine mechanics in the set. The set, and this is kind of, when I look at a set, I do care a lot about the flavor in sets. So if I look at good cards to play the game with, this set was fine. There were, there were good cards in this set. Some of them like Flame Bless Bolt, but you could say the same for Midnight Hunt with like, play with fire not particularly inspired cards they're good cards but creativity lacks a little um one of the most exciting cards was a reprint and then the flavor is it's just dumb just, here's a wedding and just all the shit you can brainstorm up at the wedding it really felt like the same amount of people had to make five sets instead of four this year and i felt that with crimson vow I was like, this was clearly the fifth set. They had just 
even how creative and amazing these people are that make these sets, they had just run out of steam by the end of this year. That's what just disappointed me. This set could have been cool if it was just the first set of 2022. And they would have spent more time on it and dedicated more resource to it. Think of cooler cards, think of better names, make me care more about the flavor. Could have been a great set, but it turned out it was meh. Well, I do agree with the uh, the flavor aspect of it, the, the wedding being a little boring. However, if you go to your local LGS, Target, Walmart, anything like that, and you buy yourself a fat pack, right? It is so cool that it comes with a wonderful little gift. You get a wedding invitation. Yeah, okay, cool. To their wedding. Brad, I also know people in real well, life. I got a wedding invitation this year. I didn't need to buy I it. I know, but this is this was this is really cool though. And it's cool. The, it's the, cool. The front side, it's it's the it's the binding vows of Olivia Voldaren and Ed, uh, Edgar Markov. Nice little cool art, and it has your RSVP on the back, where it's super fucking cute. So it says RSVP, and you have your stamp spot, and then it says it has a few check boxes. It says yes, thank you for the honor. Yes, you are you are the most uh, benevolent. Yes, even if the world were ending. Yes, and I will be bringing a guest. And yes, I will be eating said guest. Are, are your, your check boxes. <laughs> okay, that's cool. And then the next thing, and the next thing it says, I plan on drinking, and then there's a little thing to fill in, X amount of pints. Um, I would like the following entree. And you have little pictures of animals. And you can check box which one you want. There's cow, chicken, whale, and then there's a little person as well. <laughs> And then the last part says preferred blood type, and you choose as A, B, A, B, O, and then uh, little check boxes of plus or minus or positive or negative, and you 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 choose what you want. This is this cool. is the flavor we wanted for the whole set. Now, but even even that though, there are some. It's funny, but it's gimmicky. Now, I think this is really funny, and I would I would love. But this is the perfect opportunity. They took it. I really liked it. I didn't actually know about this. I'll be honest. So I'm seeing this for the first time. I think it's hilarious. But it is gimmicky. Because it's just yeah, magic but winning. Is. Like, imagine if we did... And this is a point that I heard Professor talk about. So if you heard it before, you know, through me. Um, if we did wedding the set anywhere else in magic, do you think people would give a shit? Probably not. So it's just riding on the fact that it's Innistrad. It's not mm -hmm. riding on the fact that it's actually a cool, flavorful, fun set. It's it's an Innistrad set, and that's what makes it good. Mm -hmm. Like they, it's basically the Zendikar Rising, but Innistrad is more loved than Zendikar. So in Zendikar Rising, they basically just fucked about. And they're like, oh, it's Zendikar. People will like it. But the set was so boring that no one gave a crap. This one is like, at least it's Innistrad. But it's, yeah. and it's, it's not the worst set, but I, I was more excited for Kaldheim, and I would love to see what happens on Kaldheim in future sets. I do not give a shit about Olivia Voldaren. If we go to Innistrad next time and we just pretend she doesn't exist, I don't care. Well, to wrap up our review of 2021... I'll ask you one last thing. Give me your number one positive or high point of 2021 
and the number one low point and what we can, and for both aspects, what can we build upon moving forward with magic on your high points and what can we learn from with the low points? Ooh, I think the, the high point, we didn't get any cards banned this year, did we? I think uh, not from this year. No. I think the power level this year was pretty nice. Like I can be, it can be a step higher. We see some sets like AFR that gets very little leaking through. But overall, I'm pretty pleased with the power level. It didn't feel particularly hard to craft a top 10 every time. And then a couple of those cards actually made it through. I'm happy, right? Um, I will say is that I do think a lot of the cards that ended up being powerful this year, and that's, I think, the weaker point, were a little uninspired. Um, we see, for example, the life gain deck that you talked about. It is a lot like creature ETB gain life. Okay, we've seen yeah. that. Go blank is just a mind rot variant. Expressive iteration is a fancy way of saying draw three cards. Um, consider is just opt. Play with fire is just shock. Um, Thalia is straight up a reprint. So there were a lot of cards this year. There were also some cool cards, but a lot of the cards that ended up being good weren't the most exciting cards. So, you know, I don't... You could say what you want about Oko and Uro, that they were broken and stupid and they should have never been printed, and I wholeheartedly agree, but they did feel more creative. I agree. Than those cards. So power level, good. So before you had super creative, ridiculously powerful, and now they have sort of toned both down, but the creativity shot a little too far down. Prop that up a little bit, and I think you're designing actual fire sets. Not stupid fire design, but shit sets that are actually straight fire. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right with the, the creativity aspect. Like, can you name a card that was both playable and extremely interesting design? Because a lot of the cards that did have interesting design just weren't playable, I think. Just the main like, one. Really the first it. one that comes to mind are the werewolves. Mm -hmm. I think the take but they did on Day Night was good. Right? But that one feels more so like... It's more polishing up. And in a fixing of a previous mechanic that existed and not a new mechanic that's like, wow, this is fucking in, in, insane or like creative. Yeah, like I'd need more time to think about it, but to be honest, the fact that I need more time to think about it rather than it instantly spring into mind could be, could be meaningful. There's your answer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you have any card that you're like, that no. flew off the page for me as an awesome card? Because no, I'm even thinking, what were weird. my top cards and top tens? I'm thinking, like, I had a board wipe of basically all of them. Some mm -hmm. sort of universal answer, like Rip Apart or Flame Blessed Bolt or some of the cards we already mentioned as some of the stronger cards. And some of the more creative cards, like, um, what's that Fire Elemental Lady? You deal damage with one spell and she flips and then you can get card advantage of that. That card was cool. Yeah, from from Midnight. But that didn't quite make it. But that card was cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think there's really anything that really pops up in my head of like, this is a really cool... I think the coolest one is cool, Dream Devourer. Cool and playable. 
there were plenty of cool cards this year that ended up just mm. being bad. So I'm thinking of a card that is both cool and a card that I actually get to see. Yeah, Dream Devourer would be one. I think there's potential for that card to show up in the future, and then that would be cool to see and actually good to play. Other than that, can't really think of anything else. Which, yeah, new, more intuitive design and creativity. It would be a big thing to ask for. I think my 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 high point of the year was a reemergence of tribes mattering. I think was my favorite part of the year. Vampires werewolves angels of call time we got some good elves um and uh i think yeah just like the fact that we had really cool tribes yeah and for sure impactful ones too that actually made a difference in decks and, and showed up um even like if you play monobu spirits that one snow the uh, spirit ascendant spirit that we have is is cool right so yeah i, th- I think that's what tribes I like. get to do cool shit and i I am no, you know, I am vocal enough about I love tribes, and I think tribes are a vital part of a good meta of magic. There should be tribal decks running around. And there should be sweepers destroying them. Um, But (laughs) I want a bit of both. I play both the tribal deck and the deck that destroys tribal decks. So, hey, I am my own worst enemy. But I think... um, We've been going on for a while, and I do really want to talk about 2022. There's some cool stuff coming up. So we thinking, like, do we do a little bit of meta? I listened to the Arena Decklist episode this week, and give that a listen, because the title is literally, if you guys don't listen to this, we'll never do a Pioneer episode again, <laughs> um, where they went over a leak dump, and they talk about a lot of current decks. They discuss Burn, Winoda, Phoenix... Uh, vampires, control variants, lotus combo. So I think for the time for you know having not a five hour episode, I would very much recommend people to just go and listen to that one. Um, also, just to yeah. prop up those numbers because I think Jerry Thompson and Brian Gottlieb are two amazing Magic players. They make a very fun podcast. I just haven't listened to it in a long time because I don't play the formats they talk about, but. Get them back on the Pioneer train. Brian Gottlieb yeah. seems very keen. We just have to convince Jerry Thompson. I think we can do it. We can do it. All right, so... 2022, with Brad. that being said, let's move forward. Look at this new year we're a part of. Woo! Um, we have a lot of new sets coming out. We have this month is Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, which uh, we will get spoilers pretty soon all we have is leaks well and like two spoilers do you want to discuss leaks um because we haven't the only one i will say is that the the legendary land cycle looks awesome um yeah we can let's go over the sets that are general feelings and then we can talk some spoilers if we want to sure all right so i know you're not the biggest um fan or like uh you know you're not too excited about the uh the theme of kamigawa neon dynasty being like a cyberpunky type of like futuristic thing that being said yes a lot of what i've seen makes me happy 
I am not the biggest fan of that cyberpunk set. And I was really afraid it was going to be all cyberpunky shit. But mm. they're like, no, there's a healthy mix of traditional Kamigawa. And what I'm seeing pleases me. I look at it, yeah. it's like, that's nice. That is cool flavor. Art's great. Not too punky. You know, like the new Umezawa has a very that like steampunky art, but you know, it does it does ninjutsu stuff and it, it, it plays up to cool themes, so happy so far. I mean the yeah, dynasty looks like it's gonna have some cool stuff. Getting ninjas, ninjutsu. Yes. We did get a spoiler of a card that just says creature in your hand is ninjutsu now. So that seems to be like a fun build around card that could be really powerful. I love all the memes where they put the Naruto headband on all these different cards. I've seen a Blight like Steel Colossus, Emrakul. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I am Ninja now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this is going to be a really cool set. And do you have any expectations or like, um, I guess as far as mechanics, like, do you think there's like, we've seen in the spoilers, some new mechanic kind of with like the land cycle and stuff. Um, but do you have any expectations of a returning mechanic besides ninjutsu that you're, you're hoping to see? I don't know. Cause when I think of Agamigawa, as much as I love the flavor, I do think of a lot of shit mechanics. I don't think we're going to see soul shift back. I do not think oh, we're no. going to see splice onto arcane back. Um, maybe, what I would like to see, because they've done this in Modern Horizons 1, I believe, I wouldn't mind a couple of cards that just say splice onto instant or splice onto instant or sorcery. So we move away from that parasitic arcane shit and we actually just start splicing on normal cards. I think that would be cool and something that I can see them do because they tried it in Modern Horizons. Other than yeah. that, I'm... Nothing in, nothing comes to mind. Bushido wasn't a very exciting mechanic. Um, we have Ninjitsu, which is the cool one. So, no, nothing else comes to mind. I think the reason I'm, I'm kind of excited for this set is because I have literally zero expectations for the set. I have, like, I have a very clean slate outlook at it. I'm just accepting it as a new set. And I have, like, before... Kaldheim. I got hyped about the, you know, like the potential of like the Viking theme and stuff like that. Strixhaven, I was excited about like, you know, like what they could do more with like the modal stuff. We knew that that was coming back and like the wizards and the school. Um, AFR, like I was like, cool, what's what the tie-in's gonna be? And the Midnight Hunt and Val, um, I was like really hyped about like werewolves of vampires, of course, being a vampire player. And all of those did not meet my expectations because I set certain expectations for myself of what I wanted. So I think my part of my resolution this year is to look at sets as they are. Because when I actually got the time to reflect on Val, for example, outside of my biasy of like wanting good vampires for a vampire deck and pioneer, I thought the deck, uh, the, the besides the flavor and being boring, like you mentioned, I thought the cards themselves, the blood mechanic, the vampires we did get, and the cards that we got were really cool and interesting, and it was a good set. So I think this year I want to look at every set in that same light. And I think the best part about the sets that we were being given with being Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, Streets of Kapana, um, and then the double Dominaria set with the Brothers War and the, um, what's the other one called? Uh, Something first Dominaria. we get Dominaria United, and then we get the Brothers yeah. War. So all these sets are planes and stuff that I'm just kind of like cool about and not really, of course we have one that we've never been to with uh, Streets of Kapana. 
Um, but the theme and the idea of all of them, none of them are like sparking any of like wild imagination, except for maybe the fact that there's that rumor that we might get the triumphs finished in Cabana. That's probably my only expectation for any of the sets. And looking at them that I'm way... I'm expecting elves and Dominaria united, and if I don't get them, I'll be sad. I'm not an elves player, so I'm just like, I don't give a fuck <laughs> if they're elves. <laughs> I was just kind of like, the only reason I even kept an eye out for elves in call time was because I knew you were an elves player, so I was like, look at this elf! Is it good? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't play the deck. So yeah, that, that's the cool thing. It's like, I'm just like, cool cards! Show me what you got! And I think that's the beautiful thing about this year. And I'm looking forward to Kamigawa. I don't really particularly have any tie-in personally with it when it comes to like, you know, steampunk and stuff. I will say though, anyone that's like, this does not belong in magic or that kind of thing, shut the fuck up because look at the original cards from like this Brothers War that we've had flavor like text four we've had mechs and shit in the past we've had cards with like, I mean, people holding actual guns i will in the past. say there is a and i think for world of warcraft does as well warcraft does as well in a universe too there is definitely a difference between having a your universe spin on modern technology or just straight up putting it in your game right True. there is a difference between giving someone like a sort of comically weird gun that is like powered by oil or whatever and a big dwarf is holding it or straight up handing someone a Glock, right? That is, there is a difference between those two things. And I will say Kamigawa does thread that line a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think it's okay, right? I think it fits again because it's mixed in with traditional Kamigawa. If we got straight up steampunk stuff and uh, steampunky stuff, I'd be like, mm, it's a bit much, but it's not super out of line. It's fine. Mm. I think New Capenna can have that critique more, which I guess is a good one to start talking about. Yeah. I'm a little worried for this one. Because it's going we're just gonna have people driving cars, hotel suites, demons in suits. Again. I've set up a new expectation I didn't mean to because I forgot about the demon gang thing. Alex, we just talked about this with Kaldheim with like reinventing some of these tribes like angels and demons to be lower CMC to make oh, them Oh, low playable. mana demons are just going to be bankers. Hell yeah. Give me them. <laughs> yeah, low mana demons are be good. Yeah, but New Capenna, I am excited to see Grixis cards because I believe they did say it's going to be the shards. I am super hyped for shards cards, but I'm not sure if I want to be like, you know, we had Cruel Ultimatum. The new Capenna version is I cast crippling medical debt on you. Like, I'm not sure if I'm looking forward to that. So I, I am just like Kamigawa, but so far I've been happy. I'm a little worried if we're going to be straight up handing people cars. And it's nothing special, not like Kaladesh. It's like, here's just fast car. And it's like an 8-1 with haste and trample. Just just wait wait until we see a, a secret lair. Or or like, or let's say they do like the Godzilla thing for uh, Nuka Banna, but it's like actual models of cars. <laughs> <laughs> I cast okay, Rolls look, Royce. Look at my Ford Fiesta. 
like I'm worried it's going to be too much of that. But other than that, I have no idea what kind of expectations they set. They said it was gangster stuff. And I think it's the way they sold it annoyed me. Where it feels gimmicky. They're like, what if we do magic meets gangster movie? And I go, we've already done magic meets wedding and it was boring. Like, Mm -hmm. if you sell it to me in a gimmicky way, I'm going to think you're just pulling a gimmick. So, but I'm ready to be happily surprised. So we'll see. I think it's one i'm most excited for but probably because i i really like new planes i'm always happy to see like the, what, what they can do with new ideas and stuff and also don't let me shit on your parade if you're excited for new capenna because you think the gimmick sounds awesome that's the thing with mm-hmm. gimmicks some people will think they're awesome and some people will hate them that's just there's it. a reason the walking dead secret layer to, to date is still the number one selling secret layer yeah some people so. hate it some people think it's the coolest thing ever so if you think new capenna sounds like the coolest thing ever more power to you. Do you have any expectations for who's going to show up? Ob Nixilis has to, right? I mean, oh, that's where we're already going to get in the thing that I hate. I don't want to see Ob Nixilis in a suit. It's just... I kind of do. He starts... <gasps> Karn! Karn in a suit! <laughs> that would look so sweet! That would look awesome! Karn liberated Give me Karn them a with a suit. That just... Okay... It's a gimmick. It he sounds, shows up. It he sounds shows hilarious. Up he, it's Karn. Okay, what do they do this? What do they just allude to Karn existing in the universe? And we don't actually get a Karn card, but we see him in like art and like flavor text. And then he planeswalks to Dominaria again, and he's in the suit coming straight from Cabana. <laughs> okay. I think and this is just leading into the gimmick. I think I can predict like the story for new Cabana. Okay, so Karn has this Silex, which he's going to blow new Phyrexia up with. But for some reason, we'll figure it out. He actually goes to New Capanna. Someone steals the Silex and tries to set it on the black market. And the whole thing is just this chase sequence through New Capanna as Karn tries to get his Silas back before he sells it to someone who doesn't know what they're doing with it. And it just, it has to be taxed. And then it's going to be behind, <laughs> like, behind this vault. And it's That's like, not how and the it, black market works. And it, yeah, okay, but, no, they, okay, they're not, they're not going to tax it in a black market, fair enough. Maybe they're going to sell it on an actual market, and the rule in Capenna is as long as you hold it in your hands, it's your possessions, you can steal shit. And it's going to be taxed, and then it's going to be like, Karn is going to be, well, I'm actually the owner. And it's like, well, do you have the permit for it? Do you have the receipt from when you bought it? And that's going to be the whole thing. And then they're going to steal it. It's going to be one big bank heist in order to get the Silex back so that they teleport out. And then Teferi stops time. And then there you go. Whole problem solved because time travel is stupid. (laughs) And thanks, Teferi. There you go. Thanks, Teferi. And then we could turn this into a season of the of the series, and then we could finally have the fairy played by Idris Elba, and then we've completed the circle. <laughs> Hooray! Though I guess it won't work for Karn to go to Dominaria because we uh, aren't they both set during the Brothers' War, or is Dominaria United not? No, uh, the Brothers' War I think is gonna be like a historic set, so like looking not like historic format. But like looking back at events, kind of like like historic type cards. Well, kind yeah. of like how uh, what was the M nineteen with Nicobolas or M twenty mm-hmm. with Chandra, where we had a lot of cards that were like set in the past. And I think that's mm. going to be Dominaria United is going to be Dominaria now, and the Brothers War is going to be sort of looking back on, or it's Dominaria 
time loop shenanigans that constantly happen on that plane and we it is now and they do some back to the future stuff where like jace accidentally falls in love with his mom and now they have to like go and fix it and then they end up oh no accidentally changing the outcome of the brothers war now urza's dead and yogmoth's everywhere and jace's mom turns out to be corn (laughs) 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 we go from corn in a suit to corn in a dress and a wig like in like the 50s style too where it's like a like not a pinup but like house no and not like and a, has a pie on the windowsill and, 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 and now i want an altar of karn liberated with that women you know that you can do it poster where she's like yeah karn liberated oh my god uh we should design right. secret layers um it'd be great yeah i'd love it but talk about the actual set dominaria united any, I mean, you mm. said you're already going in without any expectations, but I mean, that's kind of the beauty of the set, right? It's Dominaria. Anything can happen. Here's the thing. Dominaria United and Brothers War are going to have a built-in expectation for one reason. Because the last time we went to Dominaria, a few years ago, when we returned, it was one of the most well-designed, best sets in a standard environment we've ever gotten. Um, and I think a lot of the cycles they did and a lot of the card designs, I think that was the first one that they, not the first one, they they, they brought in like the, the hex proof from instead of protection. Yeah. It was a really nice thing they added. Um, the the cycle of like the three mana cards like Steel Leaf Champion, Goblin uh, Chain Roller, stuff like that were really cool. Um, and then Sagas. And the the idea of art and then artifacts like mox amber stuff so i guess the only expectation i'd have is it has to live up to that of the last time we returned which is gonna be tough and i guess the only other the only other expectation i should have is probably a reprint of mox amber bloody hope so that would mean getting historic but historic does kind of make sense for the brothers war right mm-hmm. we'll put it in that set instead because historic artifacts are historic too, so it would tie in with both the sagas that would tell about the Brothers' War or whatever. And then I think one worry I have with Dominaria United is that even though they did it well with the Dominaria Return, so just the set called Dominaria, I am a little worried that we're going to get a Kaldheim. Because Dominaria has, and in Dominaria, it's actually all established. So it's not like Call Time, where they could have chosen to give it four realms instead of ten. Dominaria actually has a billion things going on. And even though the original Dominaria set did a lot right, I think a lot of people, like, justifiably so, pointed out to things. It's like, that wasn't there. Where were the Merfolk? Where were the Slivers? Where were X, Y, Z? Right? we got like two elves right in their payoffs but like yeah i'm worried for another kaldheim but at least they're doing two mm-hmm. so smaller chance for a kaldheim and we're probably gonna get an urza's card that we could play in pioneer which is pretty exciting that'd be cool and a mishra which i believe One the, the original mishra card was grixis so hey ooh. the one of the downside i have 
is Dominaria was the last set Richard Garfield worked on. He did come back for that. Now, and like acted as like an advisor and like actually like helped out with design. I mean, sure, but you know, I don't think Dominaria would have been a bad set if Richard Garfield wasn't there. No, I just I, think Saga like because that was his thing? original take on Planeswalkers. Yeah, but I will give the Magic team credit that they are creative enough to come up with similar things. Especially, okay, sure, if you have a, I mean, unless they're like horribly understaffed, I have no idea. But if you have a team of 25 people who consistently make at least decent sets, if not great sets, including great cards, I I did say last year was a little bit uninspired, but maybe that was because a lot of inspiration went in the tank for this. I don't know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I think they can knock it out of the park too. They don't need Richard Garfield. No, I agree. But I think that's, I only mentioned that in the sense of like, if we're building any kind of expectations in the comparison sure. to that set. Yeah. Because Sagas was to an extent his idea and we've done it a million times over because it sticks. So are we going to come up with something new or are we just going to use more Sagas? That is Sagas a, are a great designed mechanic and card. So I would not be upset to see more. They do get a little boring if we have too many of them though. True. Like, I liked Sagas more when we had fewer. I mean, but that goes for everything, though. So it's not surprising that eventually, like, sure. Right? Planeswalkers also lose their touch if we get 3%, so... There is... a mechanic that does have the ability to return and actually, like, fully come into Pioneer for the first time ever. If you don't count the buy a box promo of Tezzeret, and that is affinity for artifacts. That's scary, though. Like, I... I think there is a lot of potential for a lot of disgustingly powerful mechanics to come back in Brothers War, just because all the artifact mechanics are stupid. Mm-hmm. But I, I would agree it'd be cool, but... Maybe we'll get Mindstone. They'd have to be very careful with any of this stuff. Like, if you give us, like, Thoughtcast and Memnite, that you just, like, birth affinity into being in this format. Mm-hmm. And are we going to cast, like, turn two Tesseret Master of the Bridge? Like, maybe that's a little obnoxious. I wonder if, um... Hmm... I mean, let's look at, like, some of the recent... Like, they did Affinity in Modern Horizons um, with the... Um, <laughs> they sure did. Thought, <laughs> but, yeah, Thopter. Yeah. I don't think that's the worst design for Affinity. I think I think that one teeters the line of, like, the, the power you want to see. The problem is quantity. Egregious. I don't think yes. Thought Monitor individually <sighs> would be a bad card in Pioneer. But Thought Monitor with Mirren Furser and Sojourner's Companion, and we already have Springleaf Drum, and we have Blood Fountain, and we have Ornithopter, and it's like, now it's getting a little dodgy. So it's quantity yeah. with that. But affinity in large numbers is unplayable. In small numbers, is unplayable. But in mm. large numbers, it's obnoxious. Though they could. Okay, compromise. Colored affinity cards. They could, 
that or um which i mean that's that's the good thing about that uh, that monitor card they could just be like okay maybe we're too afraid of uh affinity but we do love artifacts maybe they could bring back improvise i i really like improvise as a mechanic they could even have what they could obviously do they don't have to bring back affinity but they can just bring some cards back that say this costs one less for each artifact you control like what they did with tireless tracker like we want a landfall yeah. card but we're not going to put 100 landfall cards in the set so we just <clears throat> name one yeah i don't think like frog might's little brother would be you know particularly egregious card like no nah, we can we can mm -hmm. have a frog might um, the one thing about Dominaria are the planeswalkers. We're, we're we gotta we're probably gonna have like five planeswalkers, right? Oh, uh, we're gonna have another Teferi, um, aren't we? Probably. Uh, Though the last two haven't been that bad. I mean, ooh. the one from Midnight Hunt was not that good at all. Um, and then the one from uh, the core set wasn't very good either. I would be so, very sad. And I know there's a small chance, and I know it's obviously it would almost be fan service for me. I would like a Bolos reference, like Forsaken Monument in um, Zendikar, oh. but then not bad, or at least then not I'll, just good for one obnoxious deck in historic. Just I'll I'll do you one better. Where is he right now, Alex? In the meditation realm. Why is he not dead? Because they took his spark. So that they can bring him back one day. Exactly. I don't think they're going to do it already. War of the Spark was four years ago at that point. Three? Four? I think four. 2018? So yeah. Yeah. Wait, no. No, 2019. 2019. Because Guilds Around goes fall of 2018. Yeah. So it would be three years. I would be very surprised if they bring him back after three years. I, I'd love it. Give me another Bolas card, please. But... Either that... Okay, well... At one here's, point, here's, Goldfish I, I will hire one. me for one thing, to do that modern Oops All Bolas video like they do with All Planeswalk. Actually, that'll be Krim. <laughs> they don't need me. Yeah, it, it would be Krim. <laughs> but at least you don't have you Krim. Krim where it's just like, you hate green. Oh, but I mean, like, I watched Krim cast Cruel Ultimatum in Modern the other day, and it was it was the best thing. I think if we look at... um, I was going to ask you... Because what's the one thing that we don't have right now that we haven't had since the end of the War of the Spark uh, saga? Uh, and that whole story a, of like the Gatewatch and stuff. A background thing going on to tie everything together. Yeah, and a big bad. Yeah, well, like to, like, we have the Phyrexians, but they don't show up anywhere. Like, they're there. Yeah. And Karn has the Silex, and he's going to nuke them. That's all we know. So, maybe... I mean, how, just lousy writing. Can, if we get Bolas back to do it again, it's like I know. But okay, well, let's ignore Bolas. Who can be the new big bad to tie everything in? I mean, they could actually just bring the Phyrexians to the forefront. The only problem mm -hmm. is the Phyrexians, as a villain, are designed to be extremely overpowered. Like they are this sort of like they have basically said Phyrexians can't travel the universe, the multiverse, and that is the only reason everyone's not dead yet. But then we see Vor and Klex in call time. Yeah, so that sets a premise. Like, oh, but like, seriously, Vor and Klex didn't bring like barrel of oil with them. 
or like just have it on him yeah like take took a bath dive through the portal there you go right so they almost have to write them to be stupid because you, you can't actually beat them really no so i like they're they're of the same akin of like the eldrazi yeah and the eldrazi have also i don't know but they're not setting anything up at the moment it seems because we all have these sort of like l- local villains really Right, we have Heliod, mm. and Xenagos is gone gone too. I think Xenagos is dead. I think it's uh-huh. the side. I think he gets killed by Elspeth. Um, so, who do we have? It's all like the, the, the demon lords from Liliana are gone. Um, is it Auric or whatever from Strixhaven? The Orzov dude? He's just a, he's a local. Luca? Yeah. But he doesn't really plot. He's just like goes around the universe being an asshole. I think he's more of like an anti hero than he is like yeah. a same for Oko. A villain. Oko is kind of yeah. a villain, but he just goes around being a dick. Yeah, they're they're self interest like the same thing as like Tybalt. They're self interested villains in which they don't have a grand scheme to like fucking take over the multiverse and just blow shit yeah, up. Yeah, they just kinda show like, up. I just wanna I just wanna vibe. It's like oh That's it. Tybalt's here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oko's here, okay, you can fuck right off. Like, so, I don't know. It's, that that could be something, Dominaria United is is the time to set that up, right? Like, oh, everyone thinks they have peace, but really? And then, like, scheming figure in the background. Because there is a ton of characters from Dominaria's lore to pick up from, which I'm sure I'll have forgotten that were, like, on cards back in the day, like, I mean, they're not really scheming guys, but like Marzil the Pretender. I don't know if he's still alive. Um, they could bring people back from the dead. They could bring back Yogmoth if they wanted to. True. In some way. Um, and Yogmoth is probably one of the most terrifying villains there is because he's basically like um, like uh, Mengel. You're familiar with that? No. <laughs> Mengel, or is it Mengeli? He, he was a um, an SS officer in uh nazi germany during world war ii and he was the one that conducted all those experiments on like twins and shit in the concentration camps he was the doctor like that's what yogmoth is is literally like a a magic version of that just a twisted sadistic power hungry in the sense of like what he believes in his own mind to be a progression uh, of humanity or like his own his own goal or whatever like there's a twisted like you know self-absorbed like aspect of like being the hero but he really is a villain because he's so twisted but well, so i think you know that'd be cool yeah but i, I think what we'll, well, we're doing and this is this is a trap that a lot of people follow a lot nowadays because I've, I've seen it with other franchises too where we just keep bringing back old shit because it was good like oh yeah, yeah. yogmoth would be interesting that person would be interesting bolos would be interesting so give us a new one give us something give, new united Ra- us a new start yeah. writing new shit it's the same in world of warcraft where they recycle other ip um if you see like how many times have we killed ganondorf in zelda games right like it's <laughs> just the same villains just keep coming back in all these franchises and it's like can we just have we like lost all creativity in the past 10 years and we can just recycle shit and res- just build on nostalgia to sell things? Come on, write me a good villain, right? Yeah, I, I want that. I agree. Let's, let's get, but 
uh, in that sense, it, when we if we do get a new villain and a new big bad, I want it to be more in the vein of Urza and uh, Yogmoth rather than Bolas. That makes sense. I, I don't I'll want agree. someone that just wants to. I want to be the most powerful person ever. I want everyone to worship me, and I want to be evil because, for the sake of being like, evil that's and what, petty. That's what Bolas is, and he will have a return one day. So he is our yeah. cartoonishly evil, like, I am just here for power, mwahaha, twirls mustache, everything was my plan yeah. all along, ha ha. Like, that villain yeah. is Bolas. We don't need another Bolas. That just takes the spotlight of, you know... We need a, we need a Thanos. We need someone that... We need we wouldn't need a Thanos like equivalent in magic of uh, someone that has a fleshed out background story, a great design, and a a sympathetic person that like you look well, at and you're like, I kind of understand why he is the way he is, but we understand he's evil. Yeah, but I, I also think the Phyrexians are cool, because they are like that almost cartoonishly evil, but that's just like let's basically kill everything, but we just don't call it murder because we call it I don't know perfecting or whatever or they call shit. it. They yeah. have I forgot the word. Um, Purifying. Uh, it's complete, but then spelled differently. Um, that's what the Phyrexians like, like do. Com- like culture complete. Yeah. Um, so like, but they're just written to be overpowered. So they've kind of written themselves to a corner. So yeah, give us, but even, yeah, we're calling it, and it's nitpicking, right? We're calling it a Thanos. That's a comparison. Just give us, give me something new. Give me something to think about where I'm like, wow, I haven't seen yeah. this before. Right. If we see our visual artists who are like getting more creative by the year, like the creative shit I see happen on Twitter and everywhere, I'm like, geez, this is this is crazy. Like how creative and amazing all this work is that these people are doing. I'm sure there are equally great creative writers out there. Would you like to see a hero become a villain? If we're gonna if, if we're gonna retread a character, if it's done well, sure. Like what I was thinking, like what if Karn with the whole thing of like him trying to like stop Phyrexia? What if like something happens with like the oil or some shit uh, where he becomes corrupt? That is that even possible? Uh, that's already happened in the story. So Karn is at one point corrupted by the Phyrexians, and the way they cleanse his corruption is because Venser gives off his spark and dies. That's why we haven't gotten Venser anymore. So uh, we've done that story. I think fuck. Karn was known as like the father of machines at one point or something, or that was mm-hmm. like became his new role. But like v- villain, a uh, hero gone villain could be good, but we do have a lot of characters in magic that are just like good for, we have a lot of goody two shoes characters. So it would be interesting to see Ooh, who, like Nahiri. I have an idea. No, I have the best one that people would fucking hate, but I would love Who's dead right now? Uh, Dak Faden? <laughs> no, and is the most, like, the epitome of Goody Two-Shoe of all the characters we've ever had, and he's Gideon. dead. Bring him back, no. and he's corrupted. Yes! Gideon should Evil be Gideon. the new Heliod, and he should be a good guy. But if he becomes the new Heliod, Heliod became corrupted as well with his own seeking of power and jealousy of the other True, gods. True, but then he's so just a second Heliod. That is just Heliod 2.0. Give, give, give him a better reason. True. A better reason. Give him a better reason. Don't. That could. He gets like this this order obsession, and he's like the only way to you... the on, the only way for the universe to make sense is under Iron Fist rule, right? And then like, mm. oh, okay, we can. And we could can you do imagine the story of like like uh, if. 
Okay, and here I already have the ending for you. The person that has to kill Gideon at the end is Liliana, because he's the one who gave himself up for her. And she's been having PTSD. No, it's from Professor that. Onyx. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> she, and Professor Onyx has PTSD from that. <laughs> she that's even mentioned in Strixhaven where she's like fucking like just like why me that kind of thing and shit yeah that would, why did he save me i'd love to see more of that explore too i thought it's so fucking random that she showed up as professor onyx i guess she just needed to get away yeah i just needed a break and i think i think the professor onyx makes sense in the story if they just did a better job of giving us a story because the idea of her having like this genuine ptsd and like self-confliction with her own identity of like why did gideon save me and she's like haunted by that where she went so far to get away where she even changed her name in a sense to like separate herself from who she is so she can't live with the past which she's always been doing though yeah and also i think an important note what you mentioned like give us the story on the cards please like yeah as a lot of people like yeah this makes sense if you read the novel it's like I ain't got time to read a novel, right? Give me the story mm. on the cards. War of the Spark. I got the whole story start to finish just by playing the game, right? Give me that. Don't tell me what well, point me there, especially because those novels and stuff and the cards even conflict sometimes. I just need to wait till like Magic Arcanum uploads his video and then I, then I know what went on in the set. Oh, I'm shouting at so many people this episode, but... <laughs> I guess, I mean, before we close up, any other closing thoughts or expectations or hopes for 2022? Ooh, I'm... Because there's a lot of, like, open for interpretations, I'm, like, I have a difficult time being excited, but also a difficult time being, like, indifferent about it, right? There's just a lot mm. to see. Like, we'll see. Oh, hang back. I'm going into a pretty busy year anyway, hopefully finishing my bachelor's and stuff. So, you know, I don't... I don't mind a quieter year in magic, you know? Yeah. Don't have to do. But it looks it looks alright. I think there's a lot of potential. It's just see if they can make any of it work. I think there's anything that we can agree on is we just want a more triumphant return of the story. Yeah. And I think more importantly, a lot of stuff with the cards and stuff, and that's we haven't really touched on that. So I won't want to dig too deep. But magic needs almost like aside from the game pieces needs better fundamentals arena needs to start working better the economy needs to be better we need pioneer we need coverage right scg has stopped doing coverage magic coverage has always sucked right we need those type of things because even though we complain a lot and it's so creative or whatever the, it's still a fucking amazing game but the mm. fundamentals, and they need to hire more people, but the fundamentals are fucking crumbling. And that worries me more than the quality of the set and the cards. I think we'll have a good year. I hope so. I just want more, more interesting stuff. If we have any spark notes to give you, it's power level is good where it was in 2021. It could be a hair higher, but then... But if, if they take that too far and then we end up going back to the fire design, I'm happy with staying where we yeah. are. The only thing that should go higher is creativity of card design mechanics and not overinflating sets with too many conflicting mechanics to make things work and giving sets room to breathe. And it doesn't help that we make a million. Commander sets, Modern Horizons, yada, yada, yada. If you make more stuff, hire more people. 
because it's showing. Yeah. Well, reminders out the door. We are the Pioneer Perspective, the official podcast of the Playboy Discord server. If you want to hop in, play some paper magic and stuff like that, which, I mean, we've actually had some paper play IRL. I went to an FNM last night. A bunch of friends uh, on Twitter with FNMs I see for Pioneer and stuff. So that's pretty sweet. Happy to see that. But if you don't have the ability to do so, there's still the Discord server. We still have leagues going on. That's still fun. Um, we do have merch on in gaming. Uh, if you want to get some, you know, Pioneer Perspective uh, play mats, things like that, um, or Playaway merch, that's available. There are two links, one for the official store for us, and the other one is just an affiliate link that allows you to get anything you want and proceeds still go to us and help us out. So thank you for that. Um, I did have a conversation with a couple people yesterday in the last week um, both in person and uh when it comes to um like online and discord stuff like that asking when we're going to set up a patreon um i've tried to do it before i kind of fell off and didn't finish it i will take the time to actually do that soon i just want to be able to discuss with alex and think of creative and interesting ways to actually you know give you a reason to to help us out with like patreon i don't want to just be like hey Help us out and support the cast, that kind of thing. Because you listening is enough as is. I want to be able to do fun things like uh, maybe custom tokens of Alex and myself or things that we talked about in the cast, like uh, my rant on like robot dinosaurs in space and Great Henge <laughs> and all that good shit. Um, or like just, just good, cool stuff to give back to you guys. Yeah, I think an important part of if we want to do a Patreon is that as much... if we If we... If you give us something we should give you something in return. But we also have things like our scheduling might be difficult, so we have some holes that might fall into it. So some months you pay and you get five episodes, and some months you pay and you get three. How do we want to do that? Mm. Um, you know, it brings some obligations with us. I also very much don't really like, as much as I understand when content creators do it, because for us it is more of a casual, fun side thing, I don't really like to pay wall things for people so there are some, yep. it is, there's a lot of stuff that we need to discuss and iron out in order to bring you something fair. Yeah, and we don't feel comfortable in putting something out half-assed and making sure that we do have something fleshed out in an idea that allows you to feel like it's worth it. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, otherwise, uh, we thank you. We appreciate you. You guys are the best. We're just happy to have you listen uh, every week that we're here. Um, next week we're going to try to do some kind of recording whether Alex is able to or not uh, if he's not able to I'm going to try and get someone on to uh, to give you something um, but worst case scenario if we're unable to do anything we'll be sure to put out an update and say hey we have to take a week off that kind of thing um, but I mean you guys have been understanding of that in the past so we appreciate that in general you guys are awesome we have an amazing audience so thank you and with that we love you Hope to have you listen to us in the future, and bye-bye. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.